0: Warning: This podcast contains rude, crude, and prude language, which might burn your ears if you listen to it for too long. Listener discretion is advised. And of course, to to Jay Bush for inviting me
1: onto the A <laughs> team and uh, popping my podcast cherry. So, yes, thank you very much.
0: And
2: that's just one more I, notch I on I my bedpost. I appreciate those. being gentle.
0: Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to you by ManaDeprived.com and 60cards.com. Check us out. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound in the ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. Everybody was metagaming against each other because we saw each other's decks. J. Boosh.
2: I'm not going to ask a homeless guy for a deck idea, okay? I'm going to give the guy some change, and, you know, I'll probably half my sandwich.
0: Smitty just completely edit
3: out jay bush like a uh, whole thing scotty but what is it with people that live in french countries that like blue white control are you guys just like do you have that big of a chip on your shoulder like
0: what is it and now the a-team hey everyone welcome to episode 40 40 of the a-team podcast Wow, forty episode! This is your host KYT, joined by your co-host Jesse J, and um, we're afraid that Scott cannot be here for this episode. Obviously, uh his wife just gave birth, and he's out there trying to get his hands on those Commander decks. So he's struggling get him for, getting them for MSRP. Though. <laughs> yeah, so so we're gonna wing it with us three. But Jay brought. A friend along this time, Jay, would you like to introduce our guest tonight? Sure, uh, I'll
2: let him do his own introduction, but we've uh, invited on uh, from his Twitter fame and his online store, The Sundry, Don Wiggins.
4: Hey, hello, pleased <laughs> nice to be here.
2: Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and plug your store if you want. Oh, sure thing. Um, Don Wiggins or The
1: Sundry on Twitter, uh, I've been selling... Magic Singles online for years and years and years. Uh, I have a site, donsmagicandsundry.com, and I'll ship anywhere in the world. And uh, I have a lot of fun following around uh, all sorts of people on Twitter and keeping track of the, the, the MTG Twitter community there. They're, they're uh, an amazing group, really.
0: So, Don, this is strictly an online store? Yes,
1: I don't have a brick-and-mortar presence. Um, I'm, I am recently started uh, running some WPN events with a couple of brick-and-mortar stores of their own, but they don't deal in singles so that we don't compete with each other.
0: Oh, wow, interesting. So actually, before we get into uh, the nitty-gritty of our episode 39, which had 93 comments...
4: Thanks uh, to yeah, everyone. But, but, you all
3: are fucking bitches for not getting to a hundred.
0: <laughs> Probably the most comments of any podcast episode I've seen and yeah. uh hard pressed for for us to ever top this, I think. It even beat Medina
3: giving away free Baneslayer when Baneslayer was the be <laughs> all end all at fifty dollars. Four cases time. I think it was. Or at least it was uh, when Baneslayer was 50 bucks. Yeah,
2: it was pretty expensive, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's
3: funny. Uh,
0: my curious question, Don, was... Uh, I don't know if we want to talk about our old episode or ask you this question now, is uh, how you, you got into uh, um, this online store. I assume you have another job going on, and this is just for... for Because um, I, I have talked to the guy who runs MTG Island who who also has this online store, and that's all he has for now. So is this is... – Yeah, well, I've
1: – Sorry, I think there's a bit of a delay going on. I feel like I'm the uh, correspondent over in Tehran trying yeah, to – report yeah, back. where
3: are I'm <laughs> <there>? oh, um... done.
1: <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on with that. Right, anyway, so um, all right, let me give you a, a, my my brief magic bio. Uh, I started in magic back at, at literally the end of Arabian Nights when some friends drove up and bought out the last packs in a store, and picked me up a starter deck and a couple booster packs of Unlimited while they're at it, and gave those to me and said, "Here, you gotta uh, open these up and play this game with us." And uh, I ripped open um, Mox Ruby. And the Sunglasses of Urza and a Sarah Angel on that first starter deck and my love of red-white was born at that point and never really completely gone away. Um, played with them for a good couple of years until they mostly dropped out after Ice Age. Um, but I ha- have a collector mentality, so I really s- kept into it um, reading uh, – c- c- buying boxes as they came out and and trying to get the complete sets and that went up through visions when i realized it was kind of crazy to be spending this much money buying boxes of packs that i didn't have anybody to play with so i started selling my collection off on um a news group at the time so this would have been late 90s i guess and um that's where I started, and then I, I expanded into an eBay store from there and started selling my cards there. And then um, a couple of changes, including eBay limiting store sellers from not being able to sell anything under a dollar, so I couldn't sell you know my typical commons or whatever for 20 cents anymore on eBay, so I opened up my own online store instead. And somewhere in there, I started buying people's collections as well to include stock, and now it's just become a full business um, on its own. I'm a part-time chemistry teacher and mostly full-time stay-at-home homeschooling father otherwise. So the, uh, the magic stuff is mostly sideline hobby kind of thing, although I've been making a lot of uh, strides in improving the business lately and uh, (laughs) toy with the idea of giving up the teaching and just doing this uh, instead, but we'll see if I can manage that. I Uh, think that
0: sums it up. There we go. (laughs) I thought you were going to say I've just been making a lot of money. (laughs) Um, uh,
1: Well, Last last year when I did my taxes, uh, the the store <laughs> income was darn close to what I was pulling in from my community college part time gigs. So Whoa. that was pretty surprising, actually. When I
0: so is there any interest at all to start a brick and mortar store of your own someday, someday in the long future?
1: It's one of those things that I toy with the idea every now and then, but I realize that a magic only. Per- brick-and-mortar store would never survive. It would have to be, at the very least, other gaming things. And I have absolutely no interest in Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and anything like that. So so I'd have a hard time
2: uh, doing that. Can we expand on why you feel that it wouldn't survive if it was magic only? Mostly just because I think, at least in, in the area where I am,
1: there's not enough of a business and an interest to try pe- uh,
2: to bring people in. So, I see. And so that's a, that's an interesting point because you, you don't have an interest in doing a brick and mortar store, yet you, you have almost all of the tools at your disposal to have one, right? You sell the singles, you have a partnership with another store that doesn't sell singles but sells the other product, and then you also recently tried to get into the WPN or were successful to get to the WPN?
1: Yeah, the... I could pursue it if I wanted to. The biggest problems uh, that I would be having are, um, first of all, that would sort of tie me down into being into in into one place all the time, so I couldn't um, stay home and do the homeschooling that I do, that kind of thing. And also, I'd have suddenly a whole lot of additional overhead costs. To deal with um, the rent
2: and what have you there, so I'd have
1: a, a much harder time of it than renting right. out of my basement allows for me.
2: And do you feel that your prices and your like that you have uh, that you're able to charge right now at uh, Don, Don's Magic and sundry.com would have to be inflated a little bit to cover those overhead costs? I don't think so. Not necessarily. No, um, I think. I would probably
1: use the same pricing system that I do now, which is to to hop online and look for a bunch of comps and then try to uh, price myself somewhere in the middle. I think I'd probably still price things the same way I do now.
2: Okay. Uh, So, guys, did you want to start talking about the last episode then? Like, do you want to ask Don some of those kind of questions? Like, do we want to jump into that now? Yeah, yeah, I Going think, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, okay, so I'm gonna, I'll just, like, do my transition sound here, and then I'll and then I'll <laughs> ask you some questions or whatever, but I need some help from you guys, because, like, my mind's just drawing a total blank here, because I've been talking about this for, like, four days, and I just totally, you know what I mean? Right. Okay, so I'm gonna start it off here in just a sec, okay? So just, uh, I'll count down from three, and then I'll go...
4: <laughs>
2: so, Dawn... What do you think about like you you listened to the last episode. <laughs> we invited you on this episode to kind yes. of get a perspective from a store owner and you, you're kind of uh the best of both worlds because you're an online store owner, but you are a small business as well. So um just what are your what are your thoughts on the last episode? I know that it got kinda heated and charged and so definitely we you know, we want to try to make sure that we kinda can get as clear a point of view as possible. So from your point of view, what do you think of the of the topics that were discussed?
1: Well, I think there are a lot of valid points made, um, especially that if the uh, – uh, let's see, I, I put my words in the right order here. If a store owner wants to maintain good customer relations, make sure people are coming back, then it behooves them to at least consider uh, an offer – uh, especially in a situation where, if you can bring it in to the store owner and say, "Look, I can go get this card at this price online," you know, why should I have to pay a good fifty percent more here? Uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. So I I can understand completely where uh, that point was coming from, and I think a lot of times it's just laziness. Um, I've had people come to me before and email me and say, I think this price on this card is too high. Could you take a look at it? Um, Most of the time, it's because I've been lazy in my pricing and I missed a a drop in a price somewhere. And I'll go in and fix it, and then uh, usually they'll come back and, and buy it afterwards. So there I've made a sale that I wouldn't have made otherwise. So it's always worth asking, in my opinion. The worst thing that, that a store owner can say is, no, I, I think it's a, the price is good where it is. But um, sure. So that was the one main thing that I had coming out of it, as I, I think uh, it is kind of foolish for the store owner to just out of hand reject um, the idea without at least giving it some, some consideration and looking at prices around.
3: And I don't think, like, <clears throat> I didn't get a chance to listen to the full cast last week. But I believe that um, Scotty's point of view is definitely a, a charge. And if a store owner wants to sell stuff for more and won't give someone a deal on the deal they want, I mean, that's obvious and fine, right? I don't think there's a problem with that. If they just want to say, no, you can go buy it from there, that's fine. I can't sell it that low. So, I mean, from that point of view, uh, I can see it from the store owner's Point, But, I mean, there's definitely stores out there that just overcharge and alienate and just run a bad business that won't last long.
1: Yeah, and there's all sorts of extenuating circumstances also. You don't know how much they paid for the card. It could be that, you know, they just got it in and they... They gave somebody a buy price based on their thinking that I, they would sell it for X dollars. So if they bought it from somebody for 50 bucks, and so they've got it listed at $75, just making this up, and you come in and offer them 50 then there's really no incentive that, for them to sell it to you for what they just paid for it. So, so it, I could see a circumstance like that coming up. And you, you don't always know exactly
2: what's going on behind. Right. So, in in that regard, there, Don. So, how how often does that happen when you're a store owner, where you, uh, you know, you purchase a card and then <laughs> and then it it ends up dropping immediately or going up immediately, and and like, how do you deal with that as a store owner? Like, so let's say let's say today you buy a Splinter Twin for ten bucks, hoping to sell them for let's say fourteen. Like, I, I'm just making these prices <laughs> up here, and uh, and then. You know it turns out that tomorrow star City and, and Channel Fireball put them down to eight so you've you know just paid two dollars more for a card that you're gonna sell so you're actually not gonna make any money you're not even gonna break even like how long do you hang on to that price and hope that you can move it or like like how does that process work because I don't or I have no idea like how long do you kind of deal with that or do you kind of just take the hit and then move on? Well, my official buy policy
1: is to pay 50% of what I would list it in the store um, for cash or 60% for store credit. So if I was thinking potentially to sell it at 14 I wouldn't have paid more than $7 for it probably, um, unless it's something really hot, uh, well over $50, then you got to go up higher or you're not going to be able to compete with Star City's buy prices. Um but in a situation like that i would just take the hit um and right at the moment i'm looking at the potential of buying some stoneforge mystics from somebody and come monday if it gets the banhammer then <laughs> that's probably not going to have turned out to be a very good investment on my part you know that's so there's just in when that happens you just you just suck it up so <laughs>
3: This is a very, very bad time to be buying Stoneforge Mystic. That that bitch is getting banned. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, the, the, the one in particular is like a, like a Spanish foil, so it, it's, it's got some, some attraction there to it for, for other purposes. I'm not uh, looking at buying a whole pile of them or anything, but...
0: I mean, it's still going to be played in other formats, even if it gets banned in standard. So if you can get them like for a very cheap price, you know... You, the hit, the hit will probably not be that bad. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, it's it's becoming a legacy staple even. So yeah,
1: even if bands from standard, she's gonna be around for a while. So I I don't think it's gonna be uh, in the fifty cent bin or anything anytime soon.
2: <laughs> so then, how do you feel, Don, about um, about like like I mean, I'm assuming since you've had your store for so long. Um you know you you don't really buy cards at brick and mortar stores anymore so I don't know how relevant this question is and if you can't answer it feel free not to but how do you feel about um brick and mortar stores that that can't afford to have their their cards at lower prices like how do you um w- like what what do you do differently that you can you know you can have your prices lower than Star City or the same and that you feel that they can't like Where's that parity there? Because they also have more products and et cetera than you, right? It's a different kind of monster. So,
1: yeah, um, I don't, I don't think I can understand the argument that you quote unquote can't afford to sell it at a lower price. Um, and the bulk of my stock, especially for a new set anyway, comes from when the set is released. I buy two cases of it and I rip them open and I sell the cards that I get out from that. So. If you look at it that way, then I paid, what, pennies per card or something? And so if I can sell it for $25, then that's a pretty substantial profit on those couple of pennies that I invested in the card. Um, I also turn around and sell complete common sets and complete uncommon sets through my eBay store, and those move fairly well, and I, I probably about break even on those guys, but at least I'm getting – cards out of the house which makes my wife happy and (laughs) so I don't know the whole whole idea of not being able to afford quote unquote I just don't don't buy it Um, again unless it's a situation where they bought it for a certain price and and they feel like unless they can make something on it then it's not worth it to sell but uh, sometimes it's worth the investment in in good customer
2: relations to go ahead and do that so Don, in that case, then what do you feel is um, what what do you feel needs to be done currently to kind of balance that situation out? So I mean, it's clear that some people feel that you know brick and mortar stores are uh, kind of being selfish and and not having the customer service focused point of view, and then it's and then some people are feeling that you know, the people that, that are are calling for that are just being whiny and, and are just bitching about it. So, like, how do you feel this can be rectified? Like, what, as a store owner, do you feel should both parties be, like, considering before they just dismiss the other stuff? Well, I don't know. A lot of it
1: boils down to just uh, decent human relations. And I don't know that there's always going to be a, a way to, to change how people behave to each other sometimes. I mean, some of the same people that would whine and complain if I have a price that's too high, are going to be the same people who would turn around and snatch up every single copy of a card I had in stock if my price was too low on it, and they wouldn't see the the fact that those are really just two sides of the same coin, and they wouldn't feel the slightest bit of guilt about that. Right. And that's the other side of things that that people, and so I that's something that I actually wrote a whole uh, blog entry on on that issue. Once and that a while can be found where. The, the, uh it is on my blog which is uh, sorry, donsmagicandsundry.blogspot.com. oh sorry com. um and uh the i'll have to get the exact url for that particular one and like yeah you we, have can, it we can we can put it up in the show or whatever. notes yeah. but that one the title of the of that particular one was the case against speculation of any volume um a little slight jab there on someone famous but uh, <laughs> What I would like to do is, and this this is a horrible thing that I feel. Sometimes I feel like I'm just I'm far too naive in all of this. I just think people should treat each other better. Is what it simply boils down to. And you know, if you stumble into, and if you stumble into a store and you see they've got the price down low, you know, buy yourself the playset that you need, and then let them know. You know. By the way, you might want to check the price on. <laughs> before somebody, you know, you don't go in there and go, "Oh, cool! I can get 80 Stoneforge Mystics for a, a dollar." You know, It just that's wrong. You know, to treat somebody like that. And I think the uh, the online aspect of things makes it somehow easier for them to do that because they don't. They, you know, I, I'm this complete unknown to anybody who comes shipping to my store. It's not like there's a face behind the counter that they can see and maybe feel the slightest twinge of guilt. All I have to do is click something and go through PayPal, and
0: that's the last (laughs) thing. I just imagine Don checking his PayPal. No! (laughs) You you have no
1: idea how many times that has happened. I have have learned my lesson. I need to stay up to midnight on the night before a band lit goes up. Because um, what was the last one? When Time Spiral came off, and the last one. Thank God I only had one copy of it. That's all I can say. Oh. But uh, I've had I've had several mornings where I've woken up to an email where every card that was in stock of of a certain thing has been has been purchased because of something that happened. Um, uh, I mean, what was it when the when the yeah when the first Eldrazi was spoiled uh, that one time? That fabulous. Uh, Arc, or the uh, the daily MTG Arcana, where they, they revealed what the first Eldrazi was, and then was it the Eldrazi Temple that uh, I think it was? It was in Worldwake, and nobody had any clue what that card was going to be good for. And oh, Ayavucan,
0: I, I think. I think it was yeah, the Ayavucan. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. I have
1: yeah, it was the Ayavucan. I, I yeah, I had like eight of those up, and they were going For sort of like a average. dollar. Uh, yeah exactly exactly. I'm like, Why the hell did somebody buy all these? and I go to the daily and I'm like, oh there, okay, now I know <laughs> so then, Don, then you- so,
2: so then, in that case, too, like on the other side of that coin, like so like as a dealer, it's a very kind of tough job as a store owner to have to like always stay up and make sure that you aren't missing the boat so that you know you're not missing out on that opportunity but then at the same time for people that are uh you know make a lot of money off of trading and wheeling and dealing and doing that sort of thing like they also are trying to stay up for the opposite reason of trying to scoop up those cards so in the case of say I of ugin like would you have would you have increased your <laughs> price based on speculation or would you kind of follow a suit of like another online store i wouldn't have bumped it up myself completely in a vacuum simply
1: because I am absolutely horrid at trying to read the market and predict exactly where things are going to go Uh so I probably would have done some price checking around other online stores and like I say I usually try to price myself sort of in the middle of the pack on that regard so if a whole bunch of other um, prices uh, a whole bunch of other stores had bumped up their price then I, I would follow suit and stay in the same uh, in the same middle ground but right. um it is tough and it that that is without a doubt the most difficult <laughs> part of my job is keeping track of prices and making sure that's right and it's the it's my least favorite part too um because i always feel like if i'm bumping up the price i kind of feel like i I'm, I'm being somehow dirty i don't know, right. it's, not, you know it's like ah you could have bought it yesterday but no you didn't now you got to pay this price ah. <laughs> you know, it's just Kind of, kind of makes me feel lousy, but uh, so, but so th- then that is,
2: that's a pain. So, how do you feel about like pre-order speculation in that case? Oh my
1: God, pre-orders! I think are are the spawn of Satan. I, <laughs> I, I, I have refused, patently refused to ever do pre-orders, and I don't think I'll ever change that, even if I I become an even much bigger business. I just think it's it's absolutely absurd. At the moment, it's a, it's a mostly purely practical reason, and that's that I can't guarantee that in my two cases worth of product, I'm going to open, you know, four copies of a certain Mythic or something, and I don't want to pre-sell a playset that I can't then deliver. You know, I'm not like Star City opening thousands of boxes and therefore guaranteed to, to get these cards. So that's the major reason. But the other reason, is I just think it's it's absolutely absurd to just – make up a price on a card that has never seen a minute of play beyond
2: the uh, future future league or wherever back at uh, WOTC headquarters so what do you guys think about kyt and jesse like what was the last card we even saw that was pre-sold at a high price and even was close to worth its value uh like cough maybe uh jace <laughs> well i think jace yeah, Jace is probably the only one. But even then, it was pre-selling at like twenty dollars or whatever, right? Right.
3: Yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head.
2: Because I mean, yeah. like, I bought my Vensers, I think, at thirty-five, thinking I was getting a good deal when they were oh. like after being pre-sold at like fifty and sixty, and it was just like, what a bunch of fucking bullshit. And then like, I traded them <laughs> anyway, because like, I've never used them. Same with Kha'zix. Right. Same with same with Karn. Same with fucking. Like the only card I can think of is the swords, right? And uh, like that, yeah, and battle maybe. Right? Maybe, yeah. I don't know though. Pretty much everything drops. And it's, yeah. and it's like so. It's so crazy because they're gonna. They still do pre-sales. Like who are these people that are buying these cards? Even like I've only been playing Magic for like a year or two, and like even I've learned that you don't buy any cards pre-sale on Star City Games. Every year though, I mean every time a set comes out, I'm like. Ooh, Ooh, I should just whip that credit card out. Ooh, I should just buy these before they go up anymore. And I, and I like, have to, like... It's all that I can handle to not buy them. And I've never regretted not buying them because two weeks or a month after the set comes out, that card is worth nothing. And, like, my local store has 12 Vensers sitting around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. yeah I,
1: see, I, see the pre- I see the pre-sales as almost like playing the lottery. And... Everyone's afraid that they're going to miss the next Jace, and sometime yeah. in the next year or two, there's going to be another card that pre-sells for 30 and ends up going for 100 yeah. and everyone that bought them early is going to say, see, we were right to do this, and they're going to ignore the several dozen cards that they got burned on in the intervening two years where they actually lost any money that they may have made up for in this one. You know it's it's like the person who wins a $10 lottery after spending 100 bucks buying tickets, you know, it's like, "Ooh, I won $10." And it's just ridiculous.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I wanted to ask you, Don, so you're not one of those online dealers. I think there are many of them that um if you buy a ton of a card Oh, good that, question. that um is like they're low on st- stock or whatever that they don't want to get screwed on and then they they always come up with some kind of excuse like, um, you know, one store I dealt with said that, you know, they're a new store and they somehow screwed up the system that they were putting up on the website Cards that they had in stock they didn't, that they didn't actually have, so they're like, you know, we can't ship you these, it was my, my mistake, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, other, other stores have made excuses as to why they can't ship you cards that you have ordered. So, I guess your, your take is different on that.
1: Yeah, I think that falls into the same kind of human decency thing I was talking about before. There's, there's things on both sides, um, both the store owner and, and the customer. I have always said that I will honor any sale that goes through unless I honestly cannot do so. I had somebody buy um, just earlier this week. They had a, a rather huge order that included uh, four dryad arbors. And when I went to go pull it, I found out I only had two. I have no idea how that mistake in the inventory got made. Usually if I've got an inventory mistake, it's like one card uh, worth that I had. And it's usually not an issue until somebody buys out the last of something, and that's when I find out that I actually only had X instead of X plus 1. Um, but unless that happens, I'll honor it. Um, I may bitch and moan about it, and in fact have publicly both what? on Twitter and in my blog. Uh, you know, but but I will ship those cards. Um because that's that's what I agreed to do. And as far as I'm concerned, I, I I'm gonna with you know hold up to my end of the agreement, especially since the customer held up to theirs. They said, I will send you this much money and they did so. Then uh I am beholden. Here's another good one for you. I am beholden to uh, to reciprocate and send back. Okay. So it behooves you to do this. Exactly. Exactly. Nice, Sorry, nice. I don't mean for my vocabulary to sound so erudite. It just happens. I don't know.
3: <laughs> what <the fuck> is <laughs> it just happens. It's man. like we
2: have the magic Stephen Hawking's on. <laughs> So so what do you, like, how do you feel, and, like, KYT kind of has always wanted to skirt the controversial issues until they're brought up, but in, in that line of thinking, what do you think of the stores that, when, like, instead of doing what you do, which is to stay up late and realize when uh, low-priced cards become hot and reprice them, what they do is they just cancel all the orders for them, give you a shitty excuse, raise the price, and then put the stock back in. Yeah, uh, I... Think that's a
1: horrible, dirty way of doing business, and I'm glad that there are some places out there that uh, some websites that are trying to sort of put together a list of these so that customers can avoid them and not go to them, and maybe those stores will see the error of their ways, of their business starts plummeting as a result of the negative uh, publicity, feed, uh, backlash. But I mean, if it's if it's really going to be that much of a trouble for these stores then they can shut the store down at about five minutes till midnight on the the night before a banning uh, release comes out. So, like, um, was it on the 20th is the next list coming out, right? So, you know, 11.55 on the 19th, shut your store down for a couple minutes until the announcement comes out. See what happens, you know, reprice accordingly, and then bring your store back up, and then you don't have to worry about it, Um, which is... I don't know that I'm going to shut down but I'm planning on on being there. Um, so you
2: think it's it's just but like it's,
1: laziness and
2: jackassery or what?
1: <laughs> yeah, um yeah, Kelly Reed once said anybody that that has to deal with this is lazy and stupid. I think is how he put it, which uh applied to me at the time and so I took the hit uh, accordingly. <laughs> but uh yeah, it just it's it's impossible in today's day and age to keep anything secret for long and and word gets out, you know, at light speed anymore. Um if you're if you're a member of the quiet speculation uh inner cadre, then they send you out emails when there's uh, some hot tech at a GP or whatever and they'll say, you know, you might want to buy these up real quick, they're being used against this deck and I have to keep track I have to be a member of that myself so that when that email comes out I can jump on and check my price and see if it's a, a decent <laughs> one or not and there have been a couple of times where I've actually while I'm in the process of changing the price someone is buying cards from my store <laughs> because they got that email too you know
2: so it's That's um, got to be that's got to be probably the worst thing about us making you so popular on Twitter and on our podcast constantly <laughs> plugging is that people actually come to buy cards from you now. Yeah, yeah
1: it's terrible. I wish people would stop doing that. It's horrible. <laughs> Do not shop at my store. Just make
2: them work for me. And what was your store called again? It was Star City Games, I think? Yes, exactly. <laughs> right on. That's fantastic. So I think, I think the key then seems to be just that basic human decency needs to be on both sides of that coin and yeah. uh and especially from a store owner's point of view it's it's just enlightening to hear some of your uh, opinions on some of the other like other practices that other stores are pulling off so thanks for for you know enlightening us and I hear that <laughs> I hear that you've had some uh some challenges with the uh trying to start local events why don't you tell us a little bit about that
1: all right. Yeah, I, actually, it's been um, it's been a crazy, hectic, busy time for me for the last couple of months because I've had all sorts of things uh, going on. Not not just the uh, the pricing wars that I have to keep up with, but um, one of my biggest projects was I was regretting not being able to attend more Friday Night Magic or that kind of just sort of casual stuff uh, because the closest place that ran anything like that for me was about a half hour drive if there's no traffic, which there's always traffic, so it's always going to be more than a half hour. And um, I would have to wait for my wife to come home and take over uh, with the boys and then get down, and I would always be late, and I just said, you know, this is not worth it. So I said, I want to be able to have some of these more locally. So I I realized that the only way it was going to happen is if I started doing it myself, basically. So I um, investigated going into becoming a WPN organizer and running events, locally Um, I don't want to uh, bore everybody with the entire long journey but um, uh, conveniently enough I have uh, documented it all uh, on encouragement from a couple of people in uh, a series of blog entries called the road to WPN and so I can get you the URL for the show notes for that one too and uh, essentially I found a local bookstore that was just opening up. Um, They are in a building that was built in 1730. Uh, It was an original Indian trading post. This thing has history and you just walk into it and you can just feel it. It's pretty cool. Um, So I I contacted this guy who doesn't know me from Adam and, and has, I think, heard of Magic before but never played and uh, explain what I'd like to be able to do and he said sure anything that brings people into my store is good for me so let's give it a try so I signed this up with the WPN and got a couple of events uh, scheduled and then um, the big twist to it recently was the comic book store that I had originally wanted to run events with, but they said they couldn't do it, suddenly changed their minds and made space, and now they wanted me back again. I'm like, uh, okay, um, I'm already working with someone else, but uh, let's see if we can make this work. So now I'm coordinator or uh, WPN organizer for two different sites, and we'll see this make – proved to be far too much for me to handle. I don't know. Um, but my first event is on Saturday just in – well, it'll be after the podcast is released, I guess, so by the time people are listening to this, it will have already happened. But uh, for me, it's two days in the future, and I'm both excited and nervous and scared and I don't know, all sorts of a bundle of emotions. But, uh <laughs> It's uh, it's it's something new, and and I'm I'm looking forward to it. It should be a blast uh, for me from a business standpoint. Um, it's a nice place for hopefully a, a local um, group of uh, customers. So i I'm, I'm still going to be online only, but I've enacted a free shipping option for people who come to one of the events that I organize. So you can go on place an order, choose free shipping, and then come to Friday Night Magic and pick up your cards, that kind of thing, um, when I finally can run Friday Night Magic, which is a ways in the future, as it turns out. But um, that's that's the main thing. Uh, the, the other big thing that I've had added in is a whole new store category. Um, I had a customer in Texas who is very interested in different kinds of Altered art cards, or uh, crimped cards, or miscut cards, or this kind of thing—you know, anything kind of special—and he asked whether or not I ever cover ever uh, carried altered art cards. I said, "Well, I've never done it before, but I wouldn't be averse to the idea if the situation arose." And um, Mox CMTG on Twitter, um, MJ Scott, tweeted to me and said, uh, "We should be able to work something out." and over the intervening weeks um, Jeremy froggett I hope I'm getting his last name right I realized I've mm. never actually said his last name before that's how I feel. Uh, he he chimed in cuz he okay. <laughs> he chimed in also and said uh here it sounds like you're thinking is a lot like what I've been thinking of and so he joined in so I've got uh, the two of them now are making uh, altered art cards to sell exclusively through my store they're still taking they're each still taking commissions uh, but in addition to that, they're going to be making cards uh, to go up through my store. The first batch went up a couple weeks ago. Right now we're focusing on commanders and some commander staples and also legacy staples. Uh, things that we think should have a, a popular broad audience as opposed to, you know, this is my favorite card right here that's normally only t- 10 cents. Could you please make me an altar? Because um, that kind of thing probably would sit there forever in the store and nobody would be interested except that one person who if you never find them you're out of luck so they can still get those cards done uh, as commissions but we will hit cards that seem to have a popular audience and put them up in the store so I've got that going on as well Um, and that's basically keeping me for a, a very full plate. I've got all sorts of things going on. And a few months back, I instigated my official buy policy that I mentioned before. So I've had all sorts of people trying to sell me cards that I didn't normally – I didn't have that going before either. So um, essentially, my children are telling me I'm always far too busy and working far too much.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good
1: thing. Hopefully. Hopefully,
2: it's a good thing. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh sounds like you Dead. you have a lot of projects to work on and, and – I mean, we'll see like how, like what other stuff you can come up with uh, further down the line. It seems like you got a lot of ideas. I've got all sorts of things going on, and
1: if it builds up, then you know someday I may be able to uh, actually hire somebody else to help. <laughs> so the, the the main problem right at the moment is I'm it. I'm the only one uh, in the store. I, my my sons do help sometimes with the sorting, especially when a new set comes out. Oh, sorting! Like to help to sort <laughs> up. So. They love it. Um, so the f- the funny part, actually, the younger son is not quite reading yet, so he sorts by picture, and he sorts a lot faster than the older son because the older son keeps getting distracted by reading the cards. So he's like, oh, this is <laughs> so cool. You could combine this with this, and oh, look, I we could do this combo. And meanwhile,
0: oh, he's a young smitty.
4: Going, sip, 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 sip,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. What? When I went to a card store and like mauled over the idea of whether I would ever work there, and I saw some of my friends just sorting zillions of cards, I'm like, I'm never doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst.
1: Uh, and I I've always had a bit of a an anal retentive personality, so I can actually um, all right. This is this is embarrassing geek time, and it also dates me. So in in the early eighties, I can remember having a complete collection of superman two movie cards back when oh you would actually God. buy the cards with a little piece of steel, steel bubble gum in them Okay, i would take the complete collection put it in a fair paper bag shake it up and take it out so that i could sort the cards back in order again how sad is that <laughs> i actually enjoy sorting sometimes i know it's pathetic it's a sickness uh, yeah. i'm awesome. seeking uh, therapeutic help <laughs> But so I do enjoy it. When I get a new uh, collection in, I actually kind of have fun sorting out the cards and seeing what's in there.
0: Don, is there anything well, you would yeah, like
1: to were, plug? The, the, um, sure. I I well, I kind of already did. Uh, right. The main things I'd like. The main thing I'd like to plug is the uh, the altered art. Um, unfortunately, by the time this goes out, we're we're having a a special promo code this weekend. But by the time the podcast gets out, it'll be too late for anybody to use it. So. Um, I can't uh, get that out, but maybe the next time around I can uh, let Jay well, you know could, about it. You could give a but, special um, uh,
2: promo code to people that just listened to this for afterwards, if you wanted.
1: Yeah, I could do that. Can, uh, so. <laughs> All right. So, do this. On the fly, um, should there be any Altered Art left after this weekend? um, We'll do the weekend of the 25th and 26th we'll do that june 25 and 26th if if uh, customers use the checkout code 18 e h t e a m they can get 10% off any altered art cards that are in stock at that point in time how's that nice. awesome there's a lovely a lovely play set of, of mental mental missteps up there right now, and you can get a discount for buying the whole play set. So if you it, combine the codes, you can get a discount on the play set and 10% How? on top of that. So, Fucking wow. double discount. Do double that. discount. <laughs> did,
2: did you have any shout-outs that you wanted <laughs> to give?
1: Yeah, I would like to give a shout-out to um, some some folks I've already mentioned, um, to Moxie, MTG, MJ Scott and uh, Jeremy Frogett, uh, my partners in crime as far as the Altered Arts uh, Initiative are concerned. Uh, they are amazing artists, and I am honored to work with them. And I would also like to give a shout-out to Patrick at Novel Places, uh, the bookstore where I'm going to be hosting WPN events, and also to uh, John Shine of Beyond Comics. Uh, who got me uh, set up at right there. So those are the folks I'd like to uh, thank. And, of course, to to Jay Bush for inviting me onto the A-Team <laughs> and uh, popping my podcast cherry. So yeah. thank you very much. Uh,
2: <laughs> that's just one more I, notch on I my bedpost. I appreciate you <laughs> gentle. <Yeah. laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for uh, adding some perspective from the store side, Don. Yeah, very yeah, much. Thanks,
3: Don. I really appreciate it. It was good insight.
2: Nope. And have a good but night, buddy. And I'll 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 be sure to
1: listen to the whole cast if you missed. So I'll try. Take care, Sounds guys. Great. Hey, you too.
0: Don sure. the Hoover Wiggins.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I actually uh really uh enjoyed his his uh enthusiasm. I thought he was he felt he was legit. So yeah, me too. I like him. He's a cool guy. So on to our part. I mean, uh, I guess what, what do you guys want? have on your plate to talk about? I mean, I want to talk about my Canadian Magic Tour weekend, of course, but, uh, Jesse? Yeah, Jesse, what? What What am I talking about, player? <laughs> <laughs> the,
3: uh, I want to talk about a lot of stuff, actually. I mean, well, we've got... Well, we've got, we've got a KYT, your uh, your whole tournament you had, which was awesome. We've got um, a possible, well, in my opinion, guaranteed bannings in just a day. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, plenty we could talk about. There was a Pro Tour and Grand Prix. So uh, what have you been working on lately? Well, I'm kind of at the point where um, I am planning on helping Matthias and Matt, again, probably for the next Pro Tour. Um, Matthias, congratulations to him, hit Level 4 Pro. He's uh, booked for the next uh, six Pro Tours now, based on that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we've uh, he's he's gone a long way. Um, but I'm going to wait until Monday to really test anything, because I really do think there will be bannings, and I don't want to mess around too much, uh, because... You know, a banning of Stoneforge and or Jace and or Volokut, something like that, could really change the meta. So it's kind of just a waste. Um, so I'm kind of just sitting back and relaxing and just playing some Magic on Modo with already existing decks. Um, I'm still rocking and uh, adding to my angles deck, the green-white aggro pod. Uh Bob our local game shop owner <laughs> of Castle Hill came up with some cool tech for it. Um so I'll probably post a recent list here soon and uh yeah. What's the, what's the tech? Well, glimmer well there's a lot more tech. Uh Mastercore since the last time I posted the list I've added uh molten tail mastercore been fantastic. Uh but glimmer point stag has been also awesome at the 4-drop slot. It kind of bounces a Germ token out of the way if you need it. Oh. It gets rid of Gideon For if you need it. Uh, there's just a lot of great interactions. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where it's at. There, it, the sideboards getting some work. I was having problems with uh, Mirren Crusader because all my dudes are green. There's some white, but as soon as he gets a sort of War piece on, it's just over. <laughs> yeah yeah so i've been like trying perilous Mirror and condemn and journey and all these other things i got a twitter follower who i'll give an early shout out to um oh, and it's gonna take me a minute to find his name but he's uh been really on the deck as well as uh bob narendra who is our who is our local game shop owner uh, really, really cool guy. He's loving the deck. Uh, everyone who's playing it is saying it's fun, but it's not only fun, it really does win. <laughs> Cobble though, uh, main decking dismember and divine offerings now is really making the deck a lot harder. Uh, yeah. so, but anyways, uh, Cloudscraper on Twitter has really been into the deck and helping with it, um, and really just grinding the deck out. So, yeah, just still rocking this deck, uh, playing some block. Just playing Go Dennis's version of Mono Black. In fact, I'm really pissed I didn't figure it out because God, that seems like such a deck I'd build. <laughs> <laughs> but the deck is absolutely awesome. The uh, mirror's a little awkward, but, anyways, yeah. So that's that's what I've been kind of playing and working on. Uh, I'm looking forward to testing and helping for the next Pro Tour. But and then I am planning on traveling uh, probably to a domestic Grand Prix. Sometime this year with Matt. I just gotta figure out which one. It's really just a matter of timing. Domestic.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: I, I don't. It's probably a little too expensive for me to go internationally anywhere.
0: Well, there's always Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Canada. Sorry. <laughs> um, wow, it's good that people are trying your deck and. Uh... You made me laugh there, where you're like, most people say it's fine. You're like, it's it's not just
4: fun. It's good.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it really is. It's a it's a very strong deck. It it's been just killing F and M's. Like if that's what you're after,
0: you're gonna win F and M's with it, absolutely. Yeah, I I actually think yeah your deck looks really good. Um, but the banning shouldn't, as far as I'm concerned, shouldn't affect you too much because as far as I know, Pro Tour Philly is extended, right? uh philly is extended yes i believe you're correct and i think most people unless they change the format again most people will be playing stoneforge mystic yeah. at philly i think that's my prediction i, yeah. I think it's an obvious prediction
3: but the uh, card's just so powerful um when i'm talking about just like helping them test or really just brewing also right. the site just uh especially if the metagame
0: changes i'm going to be all over that posting new lists
4: Hmm.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Sounds like um, like for last week, Jerry actually uh, talks shipped some lists, and and I I got to talk to him a bit about uh, and then he posted an arc about all these lists that that he's been working on. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And, you know uh, what? I
0: I gotta call out Jerry really quick. By the way. Uh-oh, so oh.
4: Uh oh.
2: He. he, was, he, he
3: was, no. No. I love Jerry. This might no. be
2: the first cast to get to a hundred comments.
3: No, no, no. Jerry, Jerry is like one of my faves. Like I got nothing against him. This isn't a negative thing. I, it's just a funny thing. So the other, the other week he was on Twitter talking about like what or in his article I think it was, why would you dirtle around with a birthing pod deck? And I'm like, Look at my deck, dude. It's like a it's just a green white aggro deck. Birthing pod made day two, it's rock and he's like, Nah, that's pretty much dirtling around. And <laughs> <laughs> And then he goes and posts a green white aggro deck in his article and says he might play it. I just gotta call him out on that one. <laughs> I don't I think he he hates birthing pod, right? I guess. That's He might hate Birthing Pod, but uh the the card's gonna make a gonna make a showing. Whether it's in standard, or it already has in standard to an extent. But uh, it's a very good card. There's nothing wrong with birthing pod. It's powerful.
0: Yeah, I wish you put it as uh, one of your top three cards. That'd be cool. instead of uh, yeah. chancellor.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I missed chancellor of the tangle. I should have put birthing pod. I was way against birthing pod at first. I just felt like it was gonna be too slow. But uh, I I missed the ball on that one. It's. It's a pretty powerful card. I mean, it, it is slow. It's not like just boom, boom, boom. But you just get one solid <laughs> effect out of it, and you're set.
2: Yeah, like as a cool segue to that, I played at game day, I played against a uh, black-green Birthing Pod deck. Uh, and like, I don't know, like I won, I think in two games, it might have been three, but I feel that in the first game, like he stumbled on on mana and I was able to just crush him with cross control but yeah. then in in the last two games and maybe just the last one was a really long game he was able to get his kind of his combo going and um it was actually like a really cool deck I mean he didn't have any Venge Vines in it just because he couldn't afford them so like obviously that's you know something that calls for speculation but it was game day and our game days are notoriously uncompetitive Especially with bad promo cards, um, but but it was really cool and like he had like uh, what did he have? He had Obliterator's in there. He had Acidic Slime like as a one of. He had um, there's a Abyssal. million one of. He had like yeah he had like Abyssal Persecutors in there and which was like an amazing fucking tech card like to go from. Like I don't know. Like, what's your three drop, Jesse, in that deck? I got and Chris Sanders, and Verdant Corruptors. Sure. So yeah, and exactly. So he goes. He goes like. He plays like a two drop and then he turns it into a Verdian corruptor and blows up like my tumble magnet and then yeah. he goes and turns that into an abyssal persecutor and just smashes me until he needs his persecutor gone which then like birthing pod as well as a bunch of other removal in his deck allows him to get rid of it. and if he needs he can get rid of it into like a slime to get rid of something or mm-hmm. like it just it's kind of a cool deck i think the only problem that i have with it is that it's kind of like every other combo deck where like if you can get rid of the birthing pod then, like, what can what I can see kind of happens is like you're just left with a deck that is really inconsistent.
3: Yeah. Well, that's that's the that's the purpose of my deck. I avoided that completely. Um, it's a green white aggro deck, like that's aggressive, but the birthing pod just gives it kind of some reach and tutor abilities.
2: Yeah, and I thought it was really cool. I actually like looked at the guy's entire deck, we, like, talked for, like, 20 minutes about like, some, like, some like tech for it and everything, and, like, I was also in my head kind of being, like, this is the fucking worst ever birthing pod. I hate birthing... Like, birthing pod decks are just dirtling around. Like, I was doing the Jerry T, but, like, the fact of the matter is that the guy put up a good fight. He had a really cool deck. Like, it, I'm not saying it was Cobblade and it was the best, whatever, but it was cool, and it seemed to work fine, and, um... I don't know like I'd like to I'd like to see if it's viable if it's a viable deck I mean Birthing Pod kind of seems like bad survival of the fittest is like the the closest comparison I could make but that doesn't mean right. that it's bad it just means that it's a worse version of it right but sure. that doesn't mean it's bad like it it still can it looks like it has potential to get off and I really liked it with black Uh, because it has, black has really powerful four drops,
3: right? Black, black has some really powerful stuff. The thing is, like, Obliterator and stuff is very, very hard to cast, especially if you're just, if you're in two colors like that. Um, but you gotta be a good deck without it. You can't just bank your whole deck on Birthing Pod, and that's, that's where I think some people are building it wrong. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Yeah, you see some of those black green lists, and they do well, and they got a ton of singletons and just powerful cards, but, uh... They're just very built around birthing pod, and sure they can make a splash or run good, but I don't think they're set up to uh, be consistent.
2: So then, is the uh, like the way that I was kind of thinking of it? Would birthing pod be a better deck if it was built as if it was a version of the old Fauna Shaman decks? Where you, um, have, you have like the silver bullets in there, and you kind of focus on. You know, dumping a bunch of venge vines and stuff, and then playing things to get them back and stuff like that. Like,
4: I'm just trying to figure
2: out the best way to abuse birthing pod. Because, like you said, I think the key is that you have to almost build your deck without it, and then add it at the end. Like, keep it in mind, but you can't. It can't be your centerpiece because it's too easy to disrupt.
3: Yeah, I mean that's pretty spot on.
2: I don't know. Awesome.
3: So I don't know what else to say about that, man.
4: <laughs> uh...
2: <laughs> so speaking speaking of game day, did you guys
0: did you guys go to game day at all? Um no. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I had something else to do. Did did you play Jay, what did you play? Yeah, I went to Game Day. I
2: was gonna play Coblade. Uh and then Yeah <laughs> And then I couldn't yeah. do it. I just couldn't do it. So I decided <gasps> to play Um Cross control. So I talked to Cody Crossman a lot, and you know, tried to focus the deck. And I, I was looking for some new tech, and because uh, I know the deck had changed since the last time I played it, and and it was really fun. I had a really good time. Uh, Cody has gone back to the version with calcite snappers in it instead of tumble magnets and a singleton slag storm. I uh, decided to keep those cards in uh, a little bit because I don't like calcite snapper. Like I never really have. And um, I just felt that tumble magnet is still really good in this format. Um, So I wanted to keep those in the SlagStorm. I just actually, like, admittedly just forgot about. Uh, It didn't really come in handy very much, but I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but I played against a 7-year-old kid named Max, who is better than most of the players I know that are my age. And before I played Max, he played Sean Gifford, Who is a writer for Mana deprived, or a pseudo writer, I guess you could say, because he's pretty bad. Um, I'm just kidding, Sean. I love you, but (laughs) Um, but uh, he played against Max in the first round. Sean is playing Cobblade, and Sean's like one of the most ruthless, unforgiving uh, assholes on the planet. But he'll do it with like a smile on your face, on his face, right? (laughs) So he's playing this seven-year-old kid who's playing Boros, and Sean just completely takes him for granted and gets smoked and uh loses to this kid. And then in the second round, this kid plays the judge who's playing at our event and calls the judge on so many things, which is, like, so embarrassing. And, like, to, to, ben, to Ben's... Like defense, I'm sure that most of the mistakes that he was making were because he was tilting so hard by playing this kid. Uh, Because in the third round, I had to play him, and I almost blew my brains out. Uh, it, it's like, he, he, like, it was, he's playing Boros, first of all, so no one's accounting for Boros, right? Because everyone's kinda just written it off that it's not a viable deck anymore. So this kid's playing Boros, which no one's prepared for. And then he's seven, so he's super excited. So he's doing things like turn one Goblin Guide attack you for two. And then he fucking reaches across the table and touches, like, your life dice and, like, spins them and, like, makes you take damage and things before, you're, before you've, are before you like, even had a chance to respond to anything and stuff. And uh, Ben was getting really mad at him for that. And, uh, like, I, in game two against me, he had shuffled up, cut, drawn his seven cards, decided he was going to keep, uh, played a Goblin Guide, attacked, marked my life as 18, and then left to go talk to Dad before I was done sideboarding. Like, he just, like, is super excited, and uh <laughs> it was just, like, almost soul-crushing, like, to almost lose to this seven-year-old prodigy of magic, who, his father is Galen, who I've talked about before on this cast, who is, like, my nemesis, Uh and so, like, that was bad enough, and I'd already lost to Galen earlier in the day, so I played cross-control, I think I played, in the first round I played against... Uh, what did I play against? Like a Cawblade-type variant, I believe. In the second round, I played against that Birthing Pod deck. Uh, I played against Max, who was playing Boros. And then I played against this big red deck that Galen was playing, which is actually really cool. I don't know. I've seen it online a couple times. I don't know if Jesse ever has, where it plays basically... like, it plays, like, Eurobrask, and it plays Titans and Chalices and Tumble Magnets and stuff like that, and it and Burn. And then uh, it just kind of, like, it, like a turn two, or I mean, sorry, a turn three or a turn four uh, Eurobrask is just back-breaking against almost any deck. And then to follow that up with an Inferno Titan is just bonkers. And that was the deck that I lost, to So, I mean, game day was fun. Uh, the Tabor guys came back up and we had a good time. Uh, I I was kind of disappointed in the prizing. Um, You know, Mere Superion from, like, a don't know what the word is. Like, it's a really well-designed card, I guess. It's very flavorful. It's very... It fits the story of the block. I wasn't happy about it, though. Like, you guys know that it was... Like, it's the full-art foil, like, promo, right? Right. And, like, to go from Black Sun Zenith to Mere Superion... (laughs) <laughs> like that's pretty disappointing. And then like the sh- the card that you got for just showing up to play was Priest of Eurobrask, which I was more happy to get than I was to get Mere Superior. So, you know, there was like 15 people or 16 people that showed up, and uh, and yeah. So I mean it was fun. I had a good time. Whatever. Game game <laughs> days are like game days are fun. But I played. I mean like I played Cross Control. I played it because I knew it was gonna be. I wanted to test it out more and get back into playing F and M since the last cast. I said. I kind of got scooped out of the format from Cobblade, so I want to kind of get back into playing Magic again, because I kind of am getting bored of everybody whining about Silvos. I realize that my Silvos deck seems to be the Cobblade of EDH.
0: <laughs> it's awesome!
2: <laughs> oh man, like when you crush with it at Christmas, it's become so much better than that. So. <laughs> So,
0: oh good memories where we uh, just destroyed Smitty from the (laughs) get-go He was like so mad he was out of that game in like five minutes. (laughs) Yeah No, it's like how he sounded mad but not mad that made like that made me want to kill him so bad (laughs) (laughs) You guys (laughs) What are you doing? This is out of control (laughs) But yeah Uh, so an okay time, whatever. Sounds good. I mean, we'll see. Like you're getting back into uh, type two when when a band may or may not happen. So yeah. You know. yeah. Well, hopefully that's that's the best
2: time to get back in. Hopefully, because then it means at least it'll be fresh, right? I think if they make the right band decisions, and I don't know what that is, whether it's. Band well, okay, Jesse does, but well, like regardless of what it is, as long as they make the right one, hopefully that'll just stimulate the the type two community until at least Jace rotates, right?
3: Yeah, I'm just gonna, f- gonna play EDH for uh, four months or so, and unless they uh, ban some cards, well, it's,
2: it's easy now that Commander came out. Now you'll have at least some Dirtles to prey on.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's gonna be fun. I'm, I'm gonna pick up uh, Counter Punch for some cards for my green, white, black tokens. EDH. <laughs>
2: Are you guys? Have you guys seen the the pre or the pre-buy fucking prices on some of these singles?
3: That's weird. Yeah, because it's so. of local shops are selling them for MSRP.
2: Have you like so? I don't know if you guys have seen on Twitter, but like my local game store, uh, I, I they said that they've gotten 20% of what they ordered from Wizards ugh I think that's like I can't understand that I think that's like the worst business practice ever and I'm really actually mad at Wizards if this is true like it's not the first time we've seen this but you know where it's like they they spend months and months and months and months and months like doing promos and getting us all boners you know and then they put out 10 you know percent of what people are ordering and then like at my local store for example uh there were some people that did some pre-orders and then because they only got 20 percent it means that there will be five decks for sale tomorrow total one of each uh that's bullshit and like so for the people like like for me like it's not a big deal for me because i don't want to buy the decks anyway i just want some of the new cards uh i'd buy them if i had to to get the new cards whatever but like what about all these people that like these products are actually made for to get people into the game, and like now my new store is gonna get five people into the game, maybe. Yeah. And like And who? What's to say that I don't just show up? I'm the first guy in line at 10:30, and I just buy all five of them, right? And then like yeah, some know you yeah. know, some some ten year old kid who wanted to come and buy them with his dad, like.
3: Can't. <laughs> From what I, can't. I understand, stores get a product based on their volume, like it, how much they've ordered and how many uh, players they get and such.
2: Well, like, I was under the impression that that was only for promo cards. Uh, I know because
3: I know uh, one of our local shops gets um gets like a limited amount of cases and stuff depending on their pre release, yeah. and it yeah. just depends on the you know how much how many tournaments and the size of tournaments and uh, product in the past, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's based on a few things, right? Because I think it goes to uh, distribution centers and. Like so I think there's like uh from wizards to distribution centers to local game shops.
2: Yeah. So I mean like in Calgary there's uh two stores that I can think of that are the main ones. Uh this one and then the sentry box. And then there's a couple of other stores that are very very small in comparison. So if these guys are getting 20% of what they ordered, I don't know what the other stores are getting. Sure.
3: Yeah. No, and and it might not be based solely on that or that at all. Yeah. I'm just saying it could be, I don't know. It
2: just it just sucks. And like I don't know why they would do that. Like it's almost like they're and like it's not like they wouldn't sell them if they printed more, right? Like it's Wizards, it's not like I'm trying to print t-shirts in my basement that for the A team and I have to charge almost what I'm paying for and make no money on them, right? Like
4: yeah.
2: if Wizards made a million of these decks so that every single magic player in the entire world could get 5 of them, they'd sell them all, guaranteed.
3: Yeah. So Absolutely. like I don't know, I
2: don't know why they wouldn't.
3: Uh, yeah, it's it's really strange, but it's just frustrating.
2: Uh, and then you look is. at like, and then you look at Star City Games and all the all the Commander singles, whether they're good or not, are all like twenty dollars, twelve dollars, six dollars, and it's just like, holy fuck! Like, if I want to buy just all of the new cards only, it costs me more than if I just buy the all of the decks together. Yep. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I I hope this weekend is fun, and I hope that I can participate in the Commander launch party i guess i might have to just watch it and live tweet it though yeah
0: you know that'll be pretty fun yeah i'm sad because uh i don't know what episode we started talking about this but uh i our our listeners would know i was really looking forward to this yeah Um, hopefully I'll get my hands on one. uh... Well, and
2: then, you know, I mean, I I look at some tweets from, uh, for example, this guy from Ragnar, who's in Australia, he got 55 decks. What the... So what is he? He's, like, the only store in Australia? (laughs) For for him to get 55 and for my store to get five? I mean, and let's be reasonable, I'm speculating here, like, I have no idea what the you know why he did and why we didn't i'm just being sour sour about it it's just it's just when you see distribution like that that's not even close to even it just can get upsetting especially when you know they're just hyping the shit out of this yeah and that's what happened with plane chase like you know had they not hyped plane chase or fucking gay arch enemy g-bomb arch enemy then you know what? I wouldn't I wouldn't care that they're not supporting it. It was the fact that they are they act so excited. They they're like E3. All they do is say buzzwords and fucking, "You wanted commander? Well, we brought you commander." <laughs> oh, and you wanted some new cards? Well, guess what, America? There's three generals in each deck and they're going to be foil. <laughs> oh. And then it's like, "But five of you can have them." Dude,
3: (laughs) speaking of uh, foils, um, Duels of the Planeswalkers 2012 has foil cards. Hella sick. (laughs) 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 Gotta get them all. So let's talk about bannings really quick. Sure. What do you guys think? I am going with Stoneforge Mystic. I don't want to say Jace, but I think it's possible. But I'm going to say Stoneforge Mystic and Volakut get banned. I'm going, like people stopped the Volkuu train. I still think it's a problem. Like as soon as they uh, get rid of Stoneforge Mystic, you either have to have a million counters in your deck, or you're gonna lose to Volakut. It's as simple as that. You can't hard hardcast uh, uh, these swords and beat Volkuu. It's way too slow.
0: What's the What's the question? What you think should be banned, or what you think no? What What do you be. think actually is gonna be banned? Because like what there's no be way banned th- should be
3: th- obvious.
0: Right, I think you're a strong proponent of Valakut, and you have uh, your, your good arguments that I I, I can see uh, the point. But like, I can't expect wizards to ban Valakut.
2: No, meaning neither. But
0: the thing is, it's a safe
3: banning because it's, it, it's it a is. ban that's not being used right now. It's like a fifty-cent card. And, it is, but
2: but the fact is that they're not going to ban a card that nobody's using right now.
3: But the problem is, if they ban Stoneforge Mystic, it'll be all over again.
2: In it'll theory, just reset in theory, the meta the
3: game well. to what it was.
2: It, yeah, in theory, yeah, but but they don't theory. think about that. But they don't think it about
3: in, that. Yeah, I think they they do. Come on, they're hella smart. Look come at on. the game they made. Up. <laughs> come <laughs> on,
2: they're hella smart. Come
4: on.
3: <laughs>
2: come on, bitches. Come on. Come but, on, you're getting out of control here.
3: I'll put I'll put a. on Stoneforge Mystic and about 70% that they banned Voloku. I'm going with those two. So this comes out Sunday night. We shall see in the morning, motherfuckers. And if I'm right, I'll I'll Anthony Wiener it and put my dick on
0: Twitter and you all can suck it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so nasty. Uh, uh, Jay, you want to go next? Because I'm still trying to think a bit. Um, I'm passionate about it because I'm seeing
3: ridiculous drop-offs in tournaments, um, especially even on Moto. I can't even see 8-mans firing right now, and it's driving me nuts. I I log on, I have like two hours, I can usually fit in an 8-man, but nope. Um, fucking the, the cobbledges is like pushing people out of magic. It really does feel like that, so they will ban something.
0: So I think... About a few weeks ago, I think I, I still thought that they weren't going to ban anything. But to see Aaron Forsyth say that this is uh, the worst job they've done since Meriden, to see attendance actually uh, be affected and be lower, uh, getting de- uh, like decreasing. I mean, that's definitely a concern for Wizards. Um, I'm obviously banning cards is not a good thing either. Um, I don't want to, like, you never want to invest in a game where you, you put your money into cards and, and, like, they're not, they're no longer going to be useful. Like, what the heck? But, uh, if there's going to be a banning, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Stoneforge. But, uh...
3: The, let me ask you this, too, also. So if they just banned Stoneforge Mystic, it would nullify, like, Boros wouldn't exist for, like, for sure. Um, any type of Stoneforge Iron deck wouldn't exist. Cobblade would only get like slightly worse. <laughs> I mean, it, Cobblade started as four Squadron Hawks Yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of spells, and it was dominant then. It won Worlds with just Squadron Hawks. It'll still be a deck. Like Just banning Stoneforge Mystic
0: is it didn't not worlds enough. I got to correct you, Jesse, it didn't win world, Worlds. It wasn't that dominant then. Kibler and Nelson first introduced the deck. I played it since then, since forever. But uh, Blue-Black took that tournament by storm. It was oh, only no, until... No, no.
3: Yeah, 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 of right. course. You're right, yeah, my bad. I, I'm thinking Paris, right? But right. Stoneforge was in it at that point.
0: With Sword of Feast and Famine, that really right. pushed it over the top. Yeah. And um, But I, I have the same argument. Like, I can't really tell you i haven't really looked at this i'm going to say stoneforge is the obvious card in my mind but even then i'm not hundred percent sure as my choice uh my opinion is the same than drew levin when you talked Bill Valcut. i think if you banned stoneforge i would just hundred percent play splinter twin and win i think Uh,
3: the, the i i'd like completely disagree with people who think splinter twin would be nearly as dominant it wouldn't even be close in my opinion Cobblade is a deck that you can't just hate out it's similar to Voliku you just can't there's no easy way to hate it out it's even harder to hate out than Volaku is because it's got so many angles and uh, splinter twin is an obvious strategy it can attack you with two strategies depending on like what list you're playing sure but there, we have dismembers we got like nature's claims we got spell scouts, follows we got so much hate that people would be ready for it, and that deck can have daggers played against it. And that deck actually struggles heavily game one against any sort of aggro deck.
0: That's interesting. So your argument is that the metagame can adjust and adapt more against, if Splinter Twin were ever to be the dominant deck, Absolutely. better than the other decks, okay? Absolutely. that's That's fair, yeah. that's fair. I think the
2: key there, okay. though, is because um, is a is a card advantage machine, and Splinter Twin is a combo machine, and it's always, always, always going to be easier to hate out combo decks than it is to hate out, you know, decks where you can just preordain into preordain into free batter skull into infinite life into fucking Jace and Gideon and you know what I mean. And right. I think I think that's what, where Jesse's point kind of has a little bit of truth to it is just that like. I mean, if you really wanted to, you could just play a deck like a bla- like a blue black red deck that only has removal and grave titans as win conditions, and you know, I mean, you'll never ever have a problem with that with a combo deck because you know you either kill it or you counter it or you kill it, right?
3: I'm not saying it'd be bad. It wouldn't be near Cobble's numbers. No deck yeah. for the next yeah. decade is going to be near Cobble's numbers.
2: Well, that's a little bit extreme, but at least for the next <laughs> at least for the next little bit.
3: Well, I mean, it's the best deck probably ever in Magic. So uh, I,
2: I think Mike Flores probably would disagree with you, but I think that it's one of the most dominant decks in the well, last little while. No,
3: Mike Flores, uh, I think did say that. He just what? thinks he really. Yeah, yeah. Aren't I right, K Y T? Haven't you heard him that? I think you might have taken a step out to the bathroom, but uh, no, Mike Flores, uh did say like he likes the format because it's skill intensive and et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he stated that it was. It, he, mm. he agrees that it's the best deck ever.
2: Well, that it, in so...
3: in a standard environment. It, yeah. Actually, I I don't I I could be wrong. He might have said it for like all of Magic, but I, I'm pretty safe to say that I think he said it was the best standard deck ever.
2: That's crazy. That's
3: yeah, crazy. yeah. So Cobblade's a menace, but uh I'm I'm really excited for Monday. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, KWT, oh. are you back? I'm back. I Did, did you hear I'm me? Ch- did Flora say that uh, he thought Cobblade was the best deck ever?
0: Yeah, he well, yeah. a best standard deck ever, I think. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ever. 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 Really? <laughs> wow, yeah. that's so crazy. But for but for different reasons though, not because it's the strongest, but he feels like the same reason I like it like in mirrors uh, there's a, it's quite skill intensive, and he feels the reason why we keep seeing the same players do well. I mean, you, magic isn't about that. you want that uh, a percentage of luck to actually uh, play through, right but I mean the the fact that we're seeing all these big names constantly, the same names do well. Is the fact that it's it's uh, there's a lot of skill to that and and he loves that aspect of the deck like when he says best because obviously he thinks Splinter Twin is the best now. Uh, he, there's many reasons why he he thinks it's the best.
3: Right, I mean, but Splinter Twin's the best thinks in like in the standard uh, in the current standard environment, but I don't know like if it was the dominant deck, if he'd agree that it was the best deck. It, it might be because it would need to be hated out, so whatever. But anyways, Kobolds a menace. Stoneforge is going to go. It needs to go, uh, but something else needs to go alongside of it.
0: Banning Stoneforge isn't going to be enough. I changed my mind. I think I I just want to see them possibly ban just Jace. I think. Um, what? I'm, no, you, there's one other problem with that too. Okay, I I agree. <laughs> like if they
3: just ban Jace, the format would it would definitely. Make it uh, more reasonable. I think just banning Jace, I could, like, as a deck builder, I could attack Cobblade much easier uh, just because they wouldn't have that ridiculous, powerful card at the 4-drop. They'd just run, like, something like a Angel or whatever. Um, So, yeah, I think I could agree with that. But uh, Stoneford decks will just still dominate Standard all over. Like, Jerry posted the Black White List. I've been testing it. It's uh, a very, very powerful deck. Um, and Dark Tutelage kind of takes Jace's place, and it plays out very similarly to Coblade as well as like pretty pretty much the same dominance level, like close to at least. i I got to play more games with it, but uh, I think just banning Jace would do more than just banning Stoneforge, but like I said, I think more than one thing has to go, and Planeswalkers are their game now, uh, more so than anything else, so I think a Planeswalker ban uh... It is mostly out of the question i think it's like there's a slight chance
0: yeah i just don't want to not play my batter skulls anymore <laughs> right yeah yeah i, I mean, mean i just started so
3: yeah i, I um, can't remember what aaron forsythe was saying about they missed splinter twin Pest, or uh... splinter twin ex art combo um... Can't remember. I, he said he. I, I'm pretty sure they said that like they obviously didn't miss the batter School stoneforge stone forge combo. So I don't know how that got through.
0: How how could they miss Splinter Twin, um, Exarch when Splinter Twin Pestermite was a combo and extended? Like yeah, I don't
3: well, know. I don't
4: get
3: I, I, I I question how much they test. I don't know.
4: I mean, did <laughs> in there? <laughs> it's
3: not a shot. Shah- yeah, actually, shit, I'd do it. <laughs> okay. Hook me up with a job over there, that'll be the bomb. But anyways, I mean, they they only have so many people to play, right? I mean, because they can't get beta testers in. It's just way much.
2: The other thing is, like, if you think about it, my playtest group, you know, when Splinter Twin and Exarch came out, nobody talked about it until it was a deck. I mean, nobody talked about it to me. I'm sure that somebody's going to say they knew about it before anybody else. But when you think about that, like, I mean... Like, when was the last time any of the Magic players... Like, I, I just question, and not rudely, I just don't know, but, like, how relevant are they in play experience, right? Like, how... Like, being out of the circuit, like, they're not allowed to play F and M's they're not allowed to play, you know, anything competitive at all. Like, so when you're out of the game that much and you're playing in, a like, a singleton group, it's very difficult to innovate sometimes because... Yeah. You know, you. that's why when you have a playgroup, you need to be having new people, even if they're bad, right? You need to have new people because they'll come up with new ideas, and, you know, I feel that discounting their ideas is probably the worst thing you can do when you're trying to build a new deck and play test. And, I mean, honestly, maybe that's what's happening in the FFL, right? Like, well, and- if it's the same eight guys over and over again, like, how much...
3: Right, and here's you can't where we fault queue, them for
2: missing that stuff.
3: Here's where we cue Wa to uh, hire Patrick Chapin in there now. <laughs> Chapin's working towards it, and uh, he, he's got to get there, man, but anyways, yeah, you're right. I mean there's only so many um not, not all of them are great players, at least from what I see. I mean the community, by the way, is whooping ass on Wizards in the community cup right now um. But they do have some guys in R and D and wizards in general that used to be on the pro tour and such. So it's not like they're like just all bad players or whatever. No, uh, not at all. But you're right. I mean, they don't have enough quality players testing out these ideas. I don't think. And and the other and, thing. But go ahead. Go ahead. In all, the, in like a million percent credit to them. I mean, look, I, since I started, nothing's been a problem. Magic's been fantastic. This is the first problem I've seen in. It's the first problem since what? Just the last Mirrodin, which was a long time ago. So, they do an amazing job. Yeah, and I'm I mean, not the other, discredit
2: them? No, not at all. And I think, I think the other thing is, you know, when they're testing cards, like how close to being finished are those cards? And you know, when they're testing them, they're not testing them to win right there's no prize there's no ptq there's no scg open you know (laughs) they're they're testing them to make sure that they're not broken they're testing them to see if this card works at four cmc and as a 2-1 instead of a 2-2 and things like that right so and flavor yeah and flavor and and i'm sure that yes they do test the cards once they're finished but I mean, how many days or months or weeks are in between those test sessions? And, you, you know, these guys are kooky, you know, Noel the Cordova type motherfuckers, you know. Like,
3: <laughs> well, you know, yeah, like, that's the, the thing is they're pumping out sets every three months. So even though they're two years, three years ahead, probably just for safety net, they're still having to pump out two or three sets or, yeah. you know, every three months, which they got to – that's from scratch.
2: And Very that's the thing, like, it's, that's, and I mean, and the thing is, like, it's really difficult. Like, if you look at Jerry T or KYT playing Coblade, like, I'm sure that you still learn things about the interactions between the deck, and you're still trying to improve, and maybe not as much as when you first started, but, you know, I mean, there you don't know one it knows everything about Magic, and, and that's apparent just every single tournament there is. There's always some change to a deck list, right? Whether it's three of a card, down to two, or up to four, or whatever, but the thing is, like, these these guys in R&D, they don't get that luxury, right? And the thing is, like, I don't know if this is true, but as far as I understand it, too, sometimes you don't even get to test the same cards, right? Like, sometimes Smitty gets... You know, Smitty, you always get to test your decks, but what if you didn't have that luxury and you just had to pick up a deck every Friday and try it once, right? right? Like how Right? And like, that's the thing, is, like, maybe this is why they're not seeing this because maybe Noel de Cordova didn't build the deck that was... <laughs> You know, fucking good.
3: <laughs> you love Cordoba, dude. He's the bomb.
2: <laughs> I can't handle that guy. Oh, that's
3: fantastic. Uh, yeah, no, I hear you.
0: Guess I'll start talking about my weekend, and we can wrap up the show.
3: Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, hit up so, that for sure.
0: So my weekend. Um, I mean, first of all, I, I was dis- I shipped uh, Jerry uh, what I thought was going to be playing. Uh, I don't know if how. Relevant as strategy is, because it might be gone, but, uh, you know, we, I checked his uh, comments in his forum. He, he he talked about maybe not even needing Feast of Famine, maybe even needing just, just having two copies of, Sword, of War and Peace, because it's so good in the mirror. And yeah. um, and because everybody's packing divine offerings, you might want a second copy. So I shipped him a list. He, he uh, emailed me back, and we discussed a bit. He talked about how maybe mental misstep, which is in his list, is not that good in the metagame if we're not seeing any of these black based discard control decks or, or you know, decks that have Inquisition or, or whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But though my, my local metagame was, was more random, so if I could a do a do over, I definitely would play mental missteps in my Callblade list. Oh. Um, maybe even up to four. Um we're we're talking about it being good against vampires, against Boros when you really, uh, need the, the mental misstep to protect your Stoneforge either from Lightning Bolt or an early Step Blink start. You know, I've, I've been really happy with Mental Misstep, gladly take the two life to do that. Um, and he talked about perhaps bringing back Spell Pierce and, uh, Into the Royal and maybe Getaxian Probe against like Splinter Twin because he wasn't sold on the Spell Skites. And so I took some of that advice and and did my own list, went uh, 6-2 in the main event. Um, Obviously, still love. Yeah, I finished 10th for 75 bucks. Nice. Um, Well, for X2, I wasn't going to make Top 8 anyways. But for Copley in the future, I think I definitely want four mental missteps somewhere in the 75. I mean, they're not terrible in the mirror. And... Sometimes I don't know how relevant they are against a Birthing Bot deck. Probably not that relevant, but uh, I guess most decks in the meta game that I play, I mean, uh, the worst you can counter with it is like Preordain or, or an Opposing Spell Pierce. It's not too bad.
3: Yeah, that so. seems solid. Those are great cards to counter for free.
0: Right, so, and uh, I, I really wanted it to protect my Lightning Ball. I mean, I mult to four and would have gone there if I had a Mental Misstep, uh to protect my Stone Forge against uh, a lightning bolt. Um, so the rest of the weekend, it was in Ottawa. It's like the biggest, I feel it's like probably the biggest Canadian ev- uh, independent event that I've been at since I started the game. I How mean, many people showed up? Not enough, not enough. I yeah. mean, I think the main event we had 129. That's and
4: good. That's
0: a lot. We were hoping for probably 200 plus, right. but... There were like 200, 300, probably 300 people in the room, but they they were more casual. I guess they were more interested in drafting or doing the winner boxes on the side. There were a lot of people or maybe getting their cards altered. But as far as the main event was concerned, you know, 129 was not hitting uh, a target that I guess the organizer had set. But it was a reasonable amount because Ottawa isn't... Um, it's not Toronto or Montreal. It, it's like the smaller of the of, in terms of magic market. Sure. But it was where the Ottawa centers play. Like it, it's like not in the freaking convention center at all. It was like you know the hockey, like where the ice surface supposed to be. So it was like a huge area. It looked great. Um, we had issues with coverage because the the table was set up in such a way that we were. I mean, it happened on SCG Live where Joey and Joe sort of had to whisper like, near the top eight, where it was, right. like, Sunday night but we were, like, right next to them, and, like, um, this isn't gonna work, and, like, what are we gonna say? <laughs> he does this, we're gonna clarify what what's on the yeah. screen, that's, that's all what people want, that just invites hate from all these trolls, and so, um...
3: You did good though the coverage
0: you did for the first time it was it was it was good, like
3: the split camera on the faces and everything you had too.
0: yeah well, I was told that uh I mean we had to compete against pro Nagoya, which was funny because they were. Like different time zones, so I don't think we had to compete with them directly, but we also had to yeah. compete with SCG Live, which obviously had Patrick Chapin. So why would you miss that? <laughs> um, but happy to say that you know a lot of people tweeted that our video quality was higher than SCG Live, and and that was a huge compliment to our crew that set up for the first time ever, and we had ran into hundreds of uh, technical difficulties while I was playing in the main event. Like the the first. Plan was for me not to play and commentate Throughout but there were so many tech issues I decided to play see see where it went And decided to commentate the top 8 And uh the rest of the Day on the whole day on Sunday And uh, anti, Early anti-shouts to those Who said that they wouldn't have time to check out Our feed I mean like I know We're competing against Chapin But like for those of you who actually took the time to check us out like just to see even for a few minutes huge shout outs to you guys i mean um definitely if i was home you know i'd be really tempted to watch and see what chapin had to say uh but we brought uh a totally different style and i was happy about that we me whether it be rob anderson in the booth for me or alex hayne we just completely tore and bashed players for their misplays and uh trolls who hated commentators on other feeds that miss misplays or or don't know what they're talking about I think would really appreciate our style what we brought to the table and it was really enjoyable it was a lot more enjoyable than I thought like you know I I thought I would much rather play but commentating has its has its own perks I think yeah that's awesome. That's... I want to commentate someday. <laughs> I mean, this should get us. I mean, me and you would be a funny combo. That would be great, dude. Someday, <laughs> someday. We'll both get together. So the maximum people, amount of people that uh, watched us was roughly 70, which for first time out, huge. So right on. thank you to you guys. And nice. I think the only thing I want to talk about was like... It's gonna be hard for me to see where this goes from here in terms of independently run uh, Canadian events. Like we're trying to make SCG Live Canadian edition, but uh, we don't have the same budget. And um, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's it's gonna be hard. We gotta grow the game at all our local stores and and try to support this Canadian Magic tour because it's gonna be coming in Montreal. Uh, during Canada Day weekend and um, like every event is organized by a different store owner so it doesn't have that like what do I say uniformness of right. like the SCG live thing like you have one website you have everything set up so there's a lot of difficulties but I don't know we'll see what happens I hope it's one step in the direction and I'll help them any way that they can for all you Canadian listeners you should just uh, show up at an event and that will really help us out and motivate these organizers to do more. And I hope there's one in Calgary someday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's always a know.
2: place for everybody to stay, too, if anybody wants to come out here.
3: I, I saw on <laughs> magic.tcgplayer.com that uh, Calgary had a PTQ recently. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, did you go? Jay, I forgot. No, I didn't. Oh, sh- motherfucker! I should slap a bitch.
2: Like I think, I think the thing is, even if I do get back into competitive, or I mean, type two magic or whatever. Like I think I probably will just until and like I, again without knowing what happens to Cobblade, I just even even Cobblade players are expressing to me that they're not excited about the PTQ.
1: Because well, of, I love because it
2: of, because <laughs> of playing like seven <laughs> seven Cobblade mirror matches and to Bring me. Bring it like but the thing the thing to me is just like that if it's not fun then I don't want to do it right like right
4: yeah, yeah. right right it'd right. be
2: different if it was fun if if playing the mirror match was fun and like when I was at the TCG player and I had to play four Boros mirror matches I had a great time the entire time and so and I made sure the person across from me did too but I don't think I've ever seen anyone have a good time playing Cobblade. like they're always just like stressed and having to make the best play and <laughs> they have their arms crossed and they're always just like yeah Sighing and just like Ugh, yeah, you're a casual uh,
3: player, anyways. Though I mean, yeah, and so it's just like I don't blame
2: you know, at all. I, I want to be. I want to be. It's difficult. I don't know how to get my brain to make that to make like, that switch to go from wanting to have fun and win to go to just no right. matter no matter what I win. If I have to cut my dick off to play seven coblade mirrors and win this PTQ, I will. But I'm not willing to do that yet.
0: Do you ever want to make it to the pro tour? Well, I think.
2: Realistically, I probably will never make it to the pro tour. I'd love to, but I think right now I just, I don't have, uh, I don't know, like I don't, I mean, I don't want to blame anybody else. I mean, everybody's got their own problems, but I mean, I don't know, I don't have play groups to test with. I don't know who to test with. I don't know, you know, I don't, like, I think, I think it's, it's just like anything else. You know, I want to be a pro hockey player, but. You know, the trend is those the like fewer and fewer good p- kids are getting there because of the cost of hockey in Canada, right? And I think it's the same with Magic. It's you know, I'm, I mean, I I think I might possess the ability to become a really good player if I could get at it enough. But right. in order to do that, I need to be constantly playing with players that are better than me and play testing and doing deck tests and not just doing like F and M's and not just doing janky homebrew tests and you know, I just don't, right now, I don't have that. Like, the people that I want to test with, we all have real lives. We all have jobs and and shit. And so, like, you know, as far as I know, anyway, like, we can only test a certain amount, like, a limited amount of time. And if that doesn't work out for everybody, then it's difficult, right? So I think, you know, I, I'd love to make it to the Pro Tour. I'd love to start playing at PTQs or SCG Opens or, like, I'd love to play more competitively. But I think just right now, without without taking that step to practice more, like as if it was a sport, um, I just it's not realistic for me to spend the money to go all over the place and play and not and just con- like constantly go four or three, right? or right. Or worse, right? Like that's the thing. Like it's a lot of money to go to these tournaments, and if I'm not going to do very well and at least have fun, then like what's the point? And mm-hmm. I think just like any sport, like you can't, I can't expect myself to be good at even beer league hockey if I'm not gonna get out and skate when it's not a game time every <laughs> once in a while, right? And it's, it, you know, what I mean, like it's the same with magic. It's like if I'm not gonna go and practice, at like I mean, gold fishing is fine for f- no. Actually, it isn't. I was, I was trying to figure out a way that gold fishing could be useful, but it's actually never useful ever. <laughs> um.
4: <laughs>
2: so like, so like. I mean, you can only play with the same one or two people or play on moto against the trolls and the worst decks ever and the bad shuffler that just always mana screws you. Like, you know, I'd love to have a group of, like, 10 or 12 players that every single, say, Tuesday or Friday, we could get together and run, like, an SCG Open, uh, like a practice run, right? And, like, make... And do, like, a a playtest session, which I'm sure is what Jesse does, right? Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but...
4: Mm -hmm. You, yep.
2: don't just, you don't just sit around and, like, do fuck all and play against jank, <laughs> janky homebrew decks, right? Like no, you,
3: no, I'd test for reals.
2: <laughs> you know, and, like, that's what I'd love to do. I just, unfortunately, right now, I just, I haven't found, I haven't found the right amount of people to do so.
3: Well. It's a shame. It's yeah. alright. Whatever. Magic's Whatever. A game where I just play fucking, want. I just
2: play Commander. That's all. Yeah, that's Just crush, crush people with
0: silvers.
3: That's all you need to do. Play it. So, on the shoutouts, fellas.
0: Yep.
4: Yeah. Go ahead.
3: Up. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, start. Um, so Cloud Scraper, like I mentioned earlier, for uh, pimping the Angles deck and rocking it, you know. If you play my decks and you like them, you might get a shout-out. <laughs> uh, but honestly, shout-out to uh, Matthias Hunt for hitting level 4 Pro, doing well. Runner up and Rookie of the Year right now. Um uh, so, solid job. Matt finished really well in both Singapore and the Pro Tour, so, a, uh, another shout-out to Matt. Matt Marr. Matt Marr plug.
2: Matt Marr plug.
3: And, uh, gotta give a shout-out once more to the wife, the wife plug, for, uh, hooking up a good birthday. Wife
2: plug. Oh, how was that? It?
3: it was good. She did good. Do? She came to my work, and she brought me a, uh, a new plant for my office, and a nice little stand oh, for it, oh, and, oh. uh. She bought me a video game, and, you know, life is good. Battlefield Bad Company 2 for PC, because my buddies were playing it, so.
2: Oh, right on.
3: Yeah, I decided that I'd rock it, and she hooked it up.
2: Right on, right on.
3: Wife plug, she's the best. And uh, big shout-out to Scotty Mac. We miss you this episode, brother, and congratulations on your new baby girl, Lily.
2: Lily! What was her full name?
3: Um, I'm sorry, I don't know.
2: I think it's like, isn't it like Lily Ann Elizabeth McCallum?
3: It's Lily Ann. Dude, he like straight
2: I thought it was. copied
3: uh, David Williams' Liliana <laughs> for his baby girl. Well, <laughs> think
2: I, I'm like, I, with this, I could be wrong, but didn't he say that he wanted to name his kid after a Magic card, Liliana? And then he said that... Uh, David?
3: Did. Post- no, no,
2: no, no, Scotty did, and then and then he said that um, Alana wouldn't let him.
3: Oh, right, right, yeah. So, so maybe
2: so maybe this is how he got around it.
4: <laughs> I think you're right. I
0: he trolled, right. His, <laughs> wife. He trolled his wife,
4: he
3: trolled his wife. That's a good middle name. Yeah, uh, and then uh, let's just hyphen it with an A, Liliana, and uh, yeah. then we'll use our last name. Rock on.
2: <laughs>
0: <Okay>.
2: <laughs> so
0: yeah, congrats to Scotty Mac.
3: Yeah,
0: I guess I'll go next because sure, Jesse's done. Uh, huge shoutouts to Dad, obviously. Um, really missed the guy. Uh, always makes me laugh on the cast. And, well, obviously, all, all three of you do. Um, uh, shouts to anybody who helped out at, at uh, the Kenny Magic tour. Dave Tellier, JSP. Um, the rest of you, you know, I Jillian. Morgan, um, but the rest of you, I just blank out because <laughs> there's just too many names and too many people to, that helped out all the judges. I mean, I can't really picture myself ever be motivated enough to judge an event. So for you guys who are actually, you know, that like to judge, you know, thank you so much for, for being a judge. Um, Shouts to all the comments that, that were made on Manda Prime. 93. And uh, we're obviously not going to top it with this episode, but uh, we'll try. Huge shout-outs to Don, uh, the guest that we just had. I thought he was a lot funnier than... than... I think if there wasn't the delay, (laughs) it would have been a lot more enjoyable.
2: Hopefully Kyle can clean that up. Yeah. (laughs) The Behoover. So so pre-shout-out for cleaning up Don the Behoover's (laughs) uh, interview. (laughs)
0: I think i'm done i i wonder if i'm gonna call my kid jay someday <laughs> no probably not <laughs> go ahead jay
2: sure sure uh, i want to give a big shout out to uh kyt for doing the whole canadian magic tour thing if it takes off uh I, I mean i don't have a doubt that it will so when it takes off uh i think that um it'll be it'll be great and i can't wait for it to come to calgary although it'll be sad that i won't get to play in it because i'll be commentating so there's that and uh shout out to jesse we gave you a big birthday shout out on public enemies episode 2 so I uh, just wanted to do that here cuz we missed it last week so happy birthday bro i hope that you uh, enjoyed it and uh, obviously shout outs to to dad and for bringing us a new sister and i uh, hope all that's going on really good wanted to give a shout out just to really quickly to uh, uh, tangent who like let's be reasonable here i don't even know that guy's fucking name and it can't, <laughs> like, it can't be tangent, right?
4: Like, yeah. it might
2: be. Like,
4: is this yeah, I
3: met him in like like Portland, it? but
2: I so did I. Calling. No, me neither. But then I, I'm like, no, pretty that's awesome. Sure, I'm pretty sure that when he introduced himself to me in Portland, he didn't say tangent, because when I was talking to him on Twitter shortly after that, I was kind of like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's like, hey, it's tangent. We met in Portland, and I was like, oh yeah. Like, I, I have no idea what this fucking guy's name is, so shout out to Tangent. Um
0: I don't know, man. It could be. <laughs> like, I think it could be. It's I a hope pretty it cool is. name.
2: I hope it is. I hope he was one of those, those kids named like Apple and Tangent and fucking Pilot <laughs> Inspector and shit.
0: But uh, you never hear Tangent, like.
2: <laughs> no, no, you don't, yeah. So, so shout out to him and Jeebs for, uh, um, starting up this Public Enemies podcast with me is it was, it was all tangents idea and uh, it's getting pretty okay slash good reviews so um, I'm I'm actually pleasantly surprised and, and having fun and uh, I just wanted to give some shout outs to some uh, Saskatchewan uh, butt cheeks uh, they're some really big fans of our podcast and they're suffering through the wasteland that is Saskamatoon so uh, it's Matthew Dubow and Andrew Boa uh they just keep harassing Cody Crossman to uh you know give us some shout outs and you know they got their wish come true. So uh just thanks for listening to us everybody and uh really, really appreciated it. And again, I just wanted to touch on last week's episode. Uh just really appreciate all of the discussion, even though it got a little bit heated, the ninety three comments, I think that uh the biggest thing is just that we were talking about it. So um I really wanted to Shout out to some of the people on there. I won't make any names, but uh, uh, I think everybody was just at least, at least that you were discussing it, is is good enough for me. I said I wouldn't comment on it anymore, so I won't. But uh, I just wanted to, you know, say thanks to everybody who at least voiced their opinion.
0: Sounds good.
2: Yeah. And on Monday, ban Stoneforge Mystic.
0: Thanks so much.
2: I don't mind playing Valakut again. I have it already built, so
3: yeah. Fuck you, and Valakut. <laughs> All right. Well, um, as we always say, Koko, Spell sky. Spell sky. All
2: right.
3: Have a good one, guys. See
2: you later. Bye. <laughs>
3: <laughs> K-Y-T, why are you laughing? The delay is killing this guy. Sorry, Don.
2: <laughs> we can edit all the delays uh, and stuff that's...
4: out, but...
2: <laughs> we should, it's we like, should it's... have tested this more thoroughly before yeah. we started. I don't know what causes delays on Skype, but it's like three full seconds.
0: Maybe Here. it's not a delay. Maybe it's just Don. <laughs> Maybe he's <was> just <laughs> fucking with us? Yeah, he needs to take his time to answer <laughs> questions to the Here. best of his
3: ability. Uh, Don, maybe just try to disconnect and reconnect or something. It's doable, if once we get it, I can it, certainly but... do
1: that, let me give it a shot. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's worth a
4: shot. Alright. <laughs> right, hold on, let us see. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it was so awkward! <laughs> so what do you think? It's like... So I...
2: <laughs> it's so funny, it's like, when you watch those newscasts, and it's like, you know, Alright, we're gonna go to Tom out there in the, uh, in the field. What's it look like out there, Tom? And it's just like, Hi, Bob? <laughs> oh, yes, it's quite wet out there, it's just... Alright, I'm back. <laughs> okay, let's, let's- Let's test
1: this, Done. I signed back in, let's see. Any-any-anything better? Can you count to ten? Sure. 1, <laughs> 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And for the record, I started counting right after you asked. All right, huh. yeah,
2: there's still delay then. Yeah. That's all right. We'll continue. Um. All right, Kyle, I'll just edit all that out. Sorry. Where were we?
3: <laughs> well, I think that...